this is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to like city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to uh, <laughs> to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to vote. Welcome to our brand new edition of the Municipals. I'm Matthew. And I'm Philip. And here we are, Philip. It's registration day. We were there earlier. We'll talk about it. We got stories. But, you know, it was a great day. I will say that. It was the highest of highs for me to be able to be there, be around all the candidates and, and hear their plans. And they, some of them had stories. And, you know, it was a, it was a great day. It's just really cool to be a part of it um, where, you know, you see it on TV and it's the little clips and it's just, it's very funny to be in the middle of it. And of course, when we get a moment, I do want to go step by step of how we ended up where we ended up, because I do think it's a great, incredible story. Well, before we play the interviews, because we said we would have interviews and we do, why don't we do that? You, you go okay, ahead. So you start us off. All right. I will start us <clears throat> off because uh, so I took the day off work, uh, as I told you, and I didn't tell my wife or anything because, uh, you know, the direction I go to work is the exact same direction I go for City Hall. The timing was pretty much the exact same. So it was just it was just funny for me. Um, and... You know, you had said your plan was to be there for eight. This is not a shaming of you, by the way. This is just a, a statement of our story. And I, I had sort of committed to an 8.30 lazy, lazy-old-fair sort of approach to showing up. And uh, while I'm in the middle of the story, uh, I'd like to once again reach out for another hot potential uh, product placement moment uh, because I also stopped at McDonald's to pick up some chicken McMuffin sandwiches to share with my friend Matthew as our, our breaking bread and our first mission together as the municipals at City Hall. We didn't end up eating them, and uh, it would have been weird anyways, but it was... Uh, <laughs> but it was... That was my intent. I stopped at McDonald's, I got the, the sandwiches, and I uh, made my way back to City Hall, and... Uh, when I got in there, there was already that lineup, and so okay. Hold on, I hold on. To... Let me let me. Okay, you're from my side up till that point. I'll tell you what was going on. So, um, once a year, my uh, one of my kids has uh, a round of tests at sick kids. So, my oldest was uh, going to come with me and, and take care of that, and uh, my fault because we got up probably a little bit late and left a little bit late. And then dumb, dumb as I am, I forgot my phone. So I had to circle back. We just went a block. So it's kind of just circle back the block. We did drive down there, but uh, you know, getting down there was hard because on the gardener that all of us love so very much, <laughs> I couldn't, 
couldn't get on it. Like, I, no, I was on it, right? But then, see, you don't know the highway very well, so I'll just explain it to you. I do not. So going eastbound on the Gardner, I got off at Park Lawn and went down to Lakeshore and took the Lakeshore way. The problem with that is that at that time in the morning, it was like eight o'clock in the morning. Um, the there's a there's a spot to get on the Gardner farther up, almost by um, Princess Gates uh, by Dufferin and Lakeshore, and that blocks so much it it it, it um, the traffic went so far back that it, it was clogging until I finally broke through. And then I was able to get up to city hall relatively easily. And, uh, and, and that's where I met you, but yeah, I, I, I should have left earlier. I should have woke up earlier, but uh, yeah. Okay. Now you take it. Go ahead again. Okay. So I think you and I both had very different ideas of how this day was, was going to play out. And I, I mean that both in, what our expectation was vis-a-vis -vis our ability to talk to any of these people, as well as uh, I want to say my courage in terms of talking to these people. I need everyone to understand that Matthew completely took charge in a way that if this were like a project that Matthew had sent me on to city hall, it's like you're covering uh, the day one mayoral election registration, uh, I would not have gone anywhere. I would have stuck in that main foyer and been like, where's everyone? Why aren't they coming back? And then probably after like 40 minutes to an hour of me failing this, I probably would have just went home. Matthew would have been like, oh, Phil, what happened at City Hall? I've been like, uh, I don't know, nothing. <laughs> Sorry, after that long detour. So I need to explain. So, of course, Matthew does the sensible thing. He asks someone where to go. You guys, you need to understand, like, I am I am on medication level anxiety. Like, I do not approach anyone for anything. So, you know, we went through the security checkpoint. Matthew forgot he had a knife on him. It was very funny. Or what was it? Nail clippers. It wasn't a knife. Nail clippers. Which sorry. I, which I no. left there. <laughs> Which he left there, which was, oh, yeah. so, again, so, we'll come back to you. It was a mistake hold on, hold on. that he left them there. City Hall, you owe me a pair of nail clippers. <laughs> Go on. We'll, we'll, send the, we'll send the bill. We'll, uh, we'll send it their way. And, and Matthew, like, he follows the directions, by the way, like, of these people. But in my mind, I'm just like, okay, they're directing us to just, like, around the corner and we'll wait there. Matthew keeps barreling on. He just keeps on going. He's like, does this look right? And I'm, I'm like, I don't fuck. Like, I didn't say this out loud. My brain is like, I don't know. I don't know if this is right. And, but of course, I'm just, I'm following along. And we get to a point where it's like, we're behind where all the mayoral registrants were coming through. And I'm thinking like, this cannot be right for us to be like coming through this way. And we kept on going. We kept barreling through. Uh, until we sort of got behind the tape of the media scrum, which was <laughs> so uh, we just planted ourselves firmly as part of the media, which and I this is like a big part of who I am and and how I feel as a person where and Matthew, I want you to understand 
that if at any point I minimize what the municipalities are, I have to realize that it's a partnership between us and not simply my own endeavor because I have this tendency to like talk down about myself, which of course includes things I work on. So in my head, I'm thinking like, uh, okay, we are not allowed to be in the media scrum. We are just, just a podcast. Like we are not allowed to be here. Of course, you know, Matthew, no fear. He's flying around. Uh, again, we see Anna Bailau and um, her counselor supporter, Shelly Carroll, uh, Paul Ainsley, and Chris uh, Moyes. who's the last one? Chris Moyes. And um, so I take, I, along the way, I realize, I tell Matthew, I'm like, I am not going to have the courage to like run up to these people. So let me do the recording. And you do the running around, and that's and Matthew chased after all the media people. I mean, you can you can talk more about that in a moment, but kudos to Matthew. And I, when I say barreling through, I do mean that very like as a courageous. He he really showed by his presence that we were meant to be there, and like I, oh, I wish I had that that courage and then it was like after i think it was after rob rob davis uh that finally someone from uh you know the media relations team at the city of toronto came up to me and was like uh, who are you with <laughs> and in that moment i'm thinking to myself fuck busted uh like we're getting kicked out like this is it and i'm just and Again, this comes with my my self degradation of like you know we're we're like you know we're just like a little podcast. I don't know if I'm supposed to be here, and like that's because that's how I talk. I get nervous, and I'm just like I'm at fault. Just tell me where to go, like whatever. And you know, immediately she was like, "Oh, you do a podcast?" You know, like she gave me an email for the media relations to the city. Um, she basically said, you know, city council meetings are always open, which of course I'm aware of. I've said in a couple of them. Um, and if you want to like join a scrum there, you know, you can flag someone down. Um, so that was super cool. It was just like an invitation to be a part of the media. And then, uh, she asked what the name of our podcast was. So of course I told her and she thought it was a great name, uh, which was super cool. Uh, so Matthew, if you've got any, like, momentary insight up until this point into the story so i found it weird well it's probably standard but they like they knew who was coming before they they came they're like oh matt lowe's on his way down oh um uh, uh, uh mitzi's here before we ever seen them you know it's my very first press scrum and uh, I, I did take the day off as well, but I wanted to make sure that it counted. You know, I felt like I felt like I owed it to Phil and I owed it to the podcast um, because, I mean, after the election last year, Phil didn't have to join this podcast. He chose to. And I, and I wanted to show him that he made the right choice. And. I don't know if it's a mixture. It's probably a mixture of I have no shame or 
I don't know. People call me a microphone whore, a media whore. <laughs> um, well, so- as we'll talk about later, we know a bigger microphone media. Well, probably more accurate to call him a crybaby, but we'll get there. <laughs> and, um, you know, I have no problem going up and asking for people's contact information. Uh, I did it during the election last year. Of course, when I did it last year, it was always over email or or what have you. Um, this is in person. So and people were receptive. I, w- I want to give people the, the prop, the people that I spoke to, give, give them acknowledgement, props, whatever you want to call it. Um, they really were receptive. Which is amazing because, you know, you you hear those stories about the the elitist and they just don't they don't care, um, you know. And so, for for everyone who took who took time to talk to us, thank you. Um, I know we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but a, a special shout out to Steve Ryan of CP Twenty Four. Um, and we'll get to why in a bit, but uh, yeah, I, <laughs> he's amazing. He's an amazing guy. Um, I really enjoyed talking to him. And, uh, you know, for all the candidates that came out on the first day, you know, it was a bit of a, a little bit of a circus, but uh, I mean, it, we had fun. So if there's anything else you want to add before we get into our interviews, we're going to play each interview and then Phil and I will talk about it. And we'll we'll provide some commentary. You good to start? I I only want to add one one additional point. I mean, it, it's something I I tweeted, but and it, it's part of my self consciousness about the fact that I I was in fact inside that media scrum, regardless of my worthiness or not. I for a lot of that beginning candidates we had, I was right next to Toronto Stars Ben Spur. And I just think that's very funny because in my mind, I'm like, you're a real person and I'm a clown and you're sharing the same space as me. And (laughs) so that's my shout out to Ben Spur of from the Toronto star. And I will say quickly, you know, um, there's a picture. I can't remember which candidate was speaking, but I can see you there with your hair. Um, we'll have to find it, and then I'll have to post it on my Twitter and circle my hair to be like, that was me. And then I was told, uh, because I kept running after, I didn't want to talk directly to the candidates out of respect, not not out of fear. And, and some of them I did talk to directly, but I also spoke to their media person. So in some of the interviews, you can see me running behind the, the person who's interviewing. Um, so if I was on TV, that's why. Um <laughs> Look out for Matt on the playthroughs of day one. All right, so are you ready? Oh, actually, sorry. Before before we start reading those, um, I just wanted to see if the list of mayoral candidates yes, it is. is updated. Actually, yes, oh, it okay. is. Okay, cool. You knew exactly you you got it going, you got it up. I do have it right here. Ah, shit, you beat me to it. I only just thought of it now, and uh, you're All playing... All right, so, uh, so we'll, we'll, read the, chess. we'll read the list, but uh, in terms of, like, comments, well, we'll save them for the interviews unless we don't have an interview for them, okay? Yeah, sounds good. So, full disclosure, 
Phil and I left what eleven thirty. So anyone that yeah. registered after eleven thirty, we weren't there. Um, okay, so starting alphabetically, Bahira Abdul Abdul Salam. Okay, did not see them, or did not recognize them. There were a few people who, you know, got up to the desk, signed up, and registered, and then just didn't talk to the media scrum. Just kept walking. So I imagine some of these names are some of these people: Blake Acton, Anna Bailau. Brad Bradford, Sarah Kleimanhag. Oh, she got she registered today. Yeah. Frank D'Angelo. We missed him as well. Um, Philip DeCruz. So I'm a boy. Rob Davis. Corey DeVille. Anthony Fury. Sorry. Isabella Gampf. Mm-hmm. Mitzi Hunter. Saeed Jaffrey. I think that's how you pronounce it. I apologize if that's not. Uh, Chris Langenfield. Giorgio Mamaliti. Is is Chris Langenfield? I think that might be Chris Sky's legal name. No. I'll okay, to, thank you. I, I'll get I to him idea. in a minute. I'll get to him in a minute. Uh, oh, shit. Josh Matlow. Walter Rubino. Chris Sakokia, otherwise known oh, as shit. otherwise known as Chris Sky, um, Mark Saunders, Rupika Singh Warich. Again, apologize if that's not how you pronounce it. Uh, Nia Singh, Sandeep Srivastava, uh, Mir Strauss. Reginald Tall, Jeffrey Tunney, Kiri Vadavalu. Sorry for Kiri. I was just giving him a, a props because he's our boy. He, he's trying to challenge your hair, eh? He grew his hair out. Listen, and he's doing it much better than I am. My hair's all over the place. He's got uh, you know, a style going good for him. Phil, you need a straightening iron. I do. <laughs> I really do. Um, and last but not least, uh, a gentleman by the name of Jack Weenan. Ooh, I've not heard of that guy. Okay, so I'm going to play some interviews, and we'll talk about each one as they go. Apologize again, because some of these are quite long. And, uh, yeah, let's do it. Transit Commission and 
We're at the 15 year anniversary of the, of the very first shooting on a subway. I happen to be a witness. And I have to tell you, over the last 15 years, things haven't gotten better, they've gotten worse. So, as the former vice chairman of the Transit Commission, as the former co chair of the city's uh, crime prevention task force, I'm going to tackle the problem head on. I'm going to make sure that as mayor, I'm going to ride the transit system every single day until every bus, LRT, streetcar, and subway is safe again. And we're going to make the Toronto Transit uh, Commission and the TTC the better way again. You know, we have a big problem in this in this city around housing. And I, and I just think it, it boggles the mind that the people who were responsible for trying to tackle the housing problem now want to be mayor of the city. They're the ones who are responsible for the problem that we have now. We have an 80,000 person waiting list for Toronto community housing. We have a 66% increase in crime on uh, uh, criminal incidents on the TTC. We have uh, $21 million being committed to change street names, but only $15 million being committed for safety on the transit system. They have to give their heads a shake. Voters are going to understand that they need change, but they need the type of change that can get results. Robert, so any questions? Um, there's a lot of known candidates here, yep. councillors, yep. MEPs, yep. former police chief. Yep. You've clearly got a huge uphill battle. How do you yep. make any headway? I've been an underdog my whole life. When I first got elected to city council, I registered as a 26-year-old. I got elected at 27. I was one of Ontario's youngest elected officials. Everybody said there's no way in hell that a 26-year-old black kid is going to get elected in an Italian-Canadian community. And when amalgamation happened, they said there's no way in hell that Rob Davis is going to win on a pro-amalgamation platform. And I won. But uh, at the end of the day, I think the voters are going to choose the person who's going to bring change who's going to address the issues of wasteful spending, who's going to address the issues of safety on the transit uh, commission. And I want to say, you know, I've been telling voters that we need a safer, cleaner, and kinder city. And by that I mean, if we shut down warming centers, you know, where did the councillors expect that homeless people were going to go? They go to libraries, they go to the transit system. So they might save a few hundred thousand dollars, but then lose tens of millions of dollars in lost ridership. And so in order to have a safer city and a safer transit system, we have to have a kinder city and a kinder transit system. And that's what I'm going to deliver for the taxpayers and the voters in Toronto. You're fairly open conservative person, especially, you know, some of services to talk about what kind of funding are you well, first of all, nobody has a monopoly on nobody. And the people who know me in the community know the work that I've done in terms of helping, whether it's young people, uh, people in poverty, people who are homeless. I've done a lot of work in communities, and I'm going to bring that experience to bear. Uh, in terms of the exact numbers, my campaign is going to be releasing fairly uh, flushed out and, 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 and priced uh, and cost well-costed. Uh, platform, but I, I will say this I would rather spend money helping homeless people, $21 million helping homeless people, than changing the name of Dundas Street and 60 other cities. You know, 
I grew up at the corner of Vaughn Road and New in Toronto. Vaughn was a slave owner. Hume Way is named after William Hume Blake. He was an abolitionist. I literally grew up at the intersection of abolition and slavery. My next door neighbor was a Holocaust. The folks across the street were from the First Nations community. We have a very complex and diverse community. And trust me when I say this, changing the name of 60 street signs doesn't wipe away the trauma that people have felt, whether personally or uh, their ancestors. And so it's, this is misguided. And, and taxpayers know it. People on the left know that they shouldn't be spending $25,000. People on the right know they shouldn't be spending $25,000. I'm going to invest in people and I'm going to invest in safety. Yeah, Thank you very much. Have a good one. Cheers. And that was uh, Rob Davis. Your thoughts? I feel like I feel like it's a lot of slogans and a lot of. Uh, he has that. He has a very obvious pet issue, which, at this moment, it is hard to argue against. Which is, of course, a very expensive renaming of uh, let's call them culturally insensitive uh, names of streets. You know. Can I can I can I interrupt you for a second? Sorry to do that. Yeah, but, go ahead. You know yeah. that's that's actually a subject, a municipal subject that that we've never we've never discussed. And I'm just wondering for you personally, where do you land on that? It it, it is a lot of money to rename Dundas. Before you answer, I, I just want I know you're not a sports person, but you <laughs> do but you do work downtown. And I'm just wondering when you talk about Rogers Center, whether it's with your dad or, or within your family, do you refer to it as the Rogers Center or do you refer to it as Skydome? <laughs> um, now, this is a good, I actually, this is a terrible question only because Matthew, me and my father have no business talking about the the place where people play baseball at all. So <laughs> that was a terrible question because I can't tell you what we refer to it as because we don't refer to it at all. I, I understand the point you're making. And, and of course, the Sky Dome is a much more iconic name and I know it a lot better than I know the name of the Rogers Center. Uh, I understand your point. I just, I need so, you to understand so my, that my, it's a terrible question. You're right. No, but... So, okay, so for me, I'll, I'll always refer to it as the Sky Dome. So they can spend all this money and change Dundas Street, and that, that'll be great. But how many people are just going to continue to refer to it as Dundas Street? Not to mention, that street's pretty friggin' long. Yeah, it really is. That costs a lot of money. And so I, I, I apologize for interrupting you, but continue with your thoughts uh you know i feel like the main reason i know i haven't been interested in bringing it up is because my position on it i feel like is fairly shallow in that i understand i understand the importance uh, of looking at new things from a a new cultural perspective and you know i'm not opposed to to changing that sort of stuff at the moment where we are in the where we are in the city's finances 
um, I feel like it doesn't make sense to to spend that money at this moment. We can acknowledge that it's problematic and that it's something we should work towards when we haven't screwed up the city as badly as we have. Like, it just my my simple thought is. I don't. I don't see it as a big deal. Again, that we relook at some of these things and see them as culturally problematic. Um, see, and I, I think, I, think we I, should, I we should change. I think I disagree. I'm sorry to jump in. Oh, and I because oh, no, I figured you would, and I don't mean that in a rude way. Isn't um, that isn't I, that giving into cancel culture? I think. Um, uh, I don't think. Uh, I I feel like this could be a big conversation on its own. Where I think of who who has been truly hurt by cancel culture, and I, I think of people like Louis C.K., for example, who you know was canceled, but he's he has shows he has shows again. He's back. He gets to do shows again, uh, and that's probably a very lazy example because I only brought I only I drew my gun to bring up examples of cancel culture not being a big deal. And then I only had one bullet because I didn't prepare myself for this conversation. Uh, <laughs> but um, again, and I, I feel like my my opinion on it is when I say something is is not a big deal, that's more like my way of saying that I haven't I don't think too deeply about it. And I acknowledge that other people do see it as like a bigger issue. Um Canceling, I feel like canceling hasn't really hurt too many people in power, you know? I, I feel like somehow that more hurts, <laughs> it more hurts smaller people, actually. But, um, I don't know. I, um, I, I'm not sure what we're worried about. Say, what is an example, if you can think of one, Matthew, of, say, if we if we look at things, cultural things, we look at it in a in a modern lens and see it as problematic. Who are we worried about canceling? Is it just historical people? Well, I mean, we're we're up to street signs now. How many? And and I don't. I'm not. I'm not defending any statues, no, no, sculptures, I, or flags. But we've already torn down how many flags, how many statues, not even in just in Canada, all over the states. Now, what? There's no statues left. So now we're going to move on to street signs. We're going to change them. And do some of them need to be changed? Probably. Do some of the statues need to be taken down? Absolutely. Um but every single one that has, like, is there a case to be made for every single one? Maybe I'm talking out of my mouth because maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But it just seems like a lot, like, it would be different if you were renaming a boulevard, something that is not that big. Dundas Street is one of the major cities, cities, oh, fuck. One of the major streets in this city. It is one well, of, of the major streets. And so you're changing all that signage, you're changing TTC stations, you're changing all that signage on the TTC, all uh, the addresses like, with Canada mm -hmm. Post, all that federal stuff. Like it's a big, big, big job. It's a lot of money, and yeah. for 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 a city who is quote unquote starving, bleeding money, 
and and facing i believe i heard one candidate say 84 billion in the next five or six years shortfall like if you combined it all together maybe it was sorry in the next 10 years i think it was 84 yeah, that sounds right billion is this something we really want to it I, it goes back to last week if you remember we had anthony fury on and he said is this a need to have a nice to have or is it something else so and, and what i'm ultimately what i'm saying is that this is 100 a nice to have not a need to have i absolutely agree it is not a need to have and especially right this right at the moment where we are in the city financially it is not a need to have and it could definitely come i think it could come down the line for me i i know my dad doesn't like the idea of you know the changing names of stuff like he went to what is now toronto metropolitan university tmu that formerly known as ryerson that's a great that's another great example how many people <laughs> do you think still call it ryerson i mean i probably everyone who went there <laughs> um getting back to rob davis you know in his scrum he said uh i think it was the reporter who said you're facing an uphill battle do you agree with that assessment absolutely um, he doesn't have the media presence and that's well, cause he has, he has more media presence than some other candidates are going to have, but he's not going to be former counselor, current counselor. Um, no, no, you know, he, level he of is prominence. a, he is a former counselor. Rob Davis. Yeah. But it was uh, so long. Sorry. Pre-amalgamation. Sorry. <laughs> you, you know, my, listen, you blew my ignorance out of the water. You know, um, he, I don't know. Like, again, he won't, <laughs> going back to my point, he won't have as much presence as the current counselors. And then when I think of ex-counselors, I'm specifically thinking Bailao, who was just a counselor. But there's so also, but she there's is also, more. There's also Mamaliti, but he falls probably under the same uh, thing as Rob Davis. But I, but he's way, way more recent than Rob Davis. True, true. Uh, and that's just... that's sort of the way I'm thinking of it. I guess I'll finish my thought on um, Rob Davis, who has a lot. He's correctly pointing out a lot of issues, very much, you know, like the standard bear conservative party messaging of, um, you know, correctly pointing out some issues. Matthew, I just want you to know that I continued rambling on about my thoughts about Rob Davis. I know I heard you. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> um, and my end thought really is that he's got he's doing a lot of sloganing. And he's again pointing out problems, but I didn't hear a lot in the way of solutions, except of not spending the money to change the name of Dundas. Which at the moment I'll say, I don't think we have the money to change the name of Dundas. So it's irrelevant. So it just seems like, what are your solutions to anything else? And I, I don't think he gave any answers in terms of that. Um, uh, two things, and then we'll move on. Uh, one, I haven't uh, located his website. I'm not sure if it's uh, active yet. <clears throat> when it when it is, I'm going to uh, take a look at it. And two, 
you know, he was carrying around that sign, and I, I got to ask, you know, isn't that city property? I I think it technically is. Uh, we're going to let it slide. We let a lot of things slide in the city of Toronto. Probably part of the reason why it's in the state that it's in. But uh, <laughs> we can't blame Rob Davis for the sins of our previous administrations for him sneaking a sign away for his prop. Smart on him. Probably illegal. Again, we'll let it slide because we're a sloppy bitch city. All right, here we go with the second interview. Well, Mayor Tory did a lot of really important work 
in the city. Uh, during a very challenging time, but this is a new chapter for Ghana. This is about generational change, and this is about a strong mayor of action who is going to get things done for Torontonians. It's time for less talk and more action. Uh, I think council gets seized with endless debates that last many, many days, and you talk to folks in, in Scarborough or North York or Etobicoke, and they're not seeing the real results. The time for that is over. This is a new chapter for Toronto. Generational leadership, someone with the energy and the focus to drive things forward, and someone who's not afraid to make a decision. We will be continuing to serve on council. There is no point uh, in, in stepping back for a by-election. There's lots of work on the housing file that needs to continue, uh, and I'm very committed to that. We'll have more to say in the coming days. Thanks very much for being here. And that was Brad Bradford. You, you or me first? You go. So I, one of my favorite things, and, you know, I was glad we were able to capture this uh, moment in the recording, the vibe and energy of it, where, you know, uh, Brad had his sort of like talking points ready to go. Obviously, you know, you're running for mayor, you have your speech ready. And, you know, near the end of his speech, he says, you know, I'm ready to make uh, like unpopular decisions. And the reporter so quickly, like just like that, uh, what kind of unpopular decisions are you talking about? She, no answer to that. No proper answer to that question. And it's just, you know. I feel like that is the bulk of Brad's campaign so far. It's very like meaningless drivel. Uh, I would like to know what kind of unpopular uh, decisions Brad Bradford is referring to. For me, um, I can't help but draw a direct correlation when he says, I want to be a strong mayor to the strong mayor powers. I, I can't help it. I don't know what else to say. Um, it scares me. I think we should keep a list, actually, uh, now that this has come up. <clears throat> we should keep a list of the candidates who have either, A, uh, pledged that they're not going to use the strong mayor powers, and B, uh, uh, said, yes, I am going to use them, or C, didn't answer the question. The thing is, I don't know if I... <sighs> The strong mayor powers are fundamentally undemocratic because it's it's about it's about being able to push things through without the entirety of council being with you on it or a majority, majority of council, yeah. a proper majority, and it's like that's very undemocratic. Very, it's very disgusting. Um, you know, I feel like the tone of how I was saying this uh, sounded like I was going to uh, imply like almost a nuanced position. No, I think if you're saying I want to be a mayor of action and power and all that stuff, you're saying I'm cool with the powers bestowed upon me uh, by this Ontario government, and I'm willing to use them to make unpopular decisions. Uh, I agree. Uh, before we get on to the interview, there is one thing that I wanted to cover because it's going to come up in the next round of interviews. So last week, Premier Doug Ford 
said that he was not going to get involved in the municipal election. And then less than a week later, he says, well, you should not vote for someone who uh, wants to defund the police or and or lower the police budget. Less than a week before, <laughs> less than a week later when he said, I'm not going to get involved. And I, I think the most frustrating thing about that is, is because these comments are so innocuous, like anyone could be making them. I feel like most of the people who support Doug Ford will sort of be like, I mean, it's not a big deal. He's just saying words or whatever, but it's like, it's a pattern of Doug Ford. Just not giving a fuck about Toronto. Just yeah. actually I say not giving a fuck, but that's not true because he's been actively harmful towards the city of Toronto, which is again, as you pointed out by, by him sort of, loudly pondering his preference for this mayor election he is you know influencing it but on the other hand when have the residents of toronto ever done what doug ford has wanted us to do you raise a good point <laughs> so with that we'll move on to the next interview Thank you. 
Okay, sorry about that, guys. I know that uh, this is the third interview that we showed, but it's actually the first one that we recorded, so that was, you can see how good the other two were. This is kind of a learning curve. We apologize. Um, but that was Anna Bailau. Uh, I was able to make out, you know, some or, or maybe even most of what she said. Your thoughts? There's, there's a couple of important points that were brought up, and uh, I... They applied to, to Bradford and a couple of other people running as well, but uh, it is important, I want to say, to point out, especially for Anna Bilo, uh, who chaired the campaign for John Tory's re-election, the last municipal election. A lot of these people running for mayor are running on the message of change, of doing things fundamentally differently than their predecessors. Um but they all were John Tory loyalists. They voted alongside him 
they went along with his platform. A lot of these people are still defending keeping the gardener up. You know, it's it's a lot of like classic. Um, but you can't you can't be an advocate for change when you were an architect of the damage. I disagree. Ooh, all right. So I can't remember which candidate. Um, I'm sure it's probably in one of the interviews we haven't heard yet. But um, one of the candidates said, uh, you know, the the mayor would, would come by the counselor's office and go, this is how I want you to vote. I don't care if you read it. This is how I want you to vote. And so there's implied pressure to vote with the mayor. Yeah, I know we're all adults and we should be doing the right thing, but there's implied pressure. You know, you don't want to lose a, a committee. Um, what do they call that? A, a committee appointment. You don't want to lose. Yeah, something like that. And so there's stuff on the line, I guess, when counselors try to put their foot down and, and not vote for the mayor. I'm not absolving everybody. I'm just saying that there has to be that 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 is present. We can't stick our head in the sands and and pretend that that's not there. There is at least a little bit of that going on. Now, well, the majority minority of people, I don't I'm not sure which one may not be willing to give that chance to Brad Bradford or others. Uh, perhaps Anna Bailao falls under a different category. Um, I think that she has good ideas. I am excited to see how this election fleshes out on her behalf. Um, and and I'm, I'm interested, I'm excited of the prospect of her coming on the municipals, and then we can go at length to her ideas. That's all I was trying to say. Um, Oh, no, yeah, that's fair. Because the way it sounds, right, is like, well, because they were part of the problem, they can't be part of the solution. It's almost like it's almost like the the the, the political version of cancel culture. And I guess that's fair. That's very um you know, that's I I you know, I still hold on to my I I think you make a great point. Great counterpoint. Um, I and I, I think those considerations they are important to to think about. At the same time, I do wonder if there's a bit of a, a lack of uh, spine when it comes to our elected representatives. Where I think if you really believe in something, and I don't know, you're right. You know, being an elected official is harder than we're making it out to be more complicated um i i really do I, you know what i for anna bylaw specifically if we get her on this is one question i do want to ask her and and you know we talked about this earlier it's why now why not in october and i mean she was a city councilor up until the election she chose not to run why yep and if it was because I want to spend more time with my family, or was it... Why I, is that not relevant now? Exactly. Or was it, I've accepted a job in the private sector, that's fine. 
But which is it and why? Um, maybe these are some answers we can get if she comes on the municipals, uh, which is what I, while you were recording this, was running around doing. <laughs> yeah, again, Matthew really nailed it. Really, uh, really like pushed through and, and talked to people where I awkwardly was like, okay, Matthew, I'm not going to figure this out. Can I just record the conversations? Okay, I'm recording now. So that was our roles during this, by the way. That was our, our roles for the day. The not not to prolong the statement, I was very happy that both um, both with Bradford and with Bylaw, they had talked about the online campaigns that have uh, kind of sprung up against them. You know, it's just fun to acknowledge them because I think they're doing a great job. Citizen engagement. Uh, you know, to our mystery heroes of whom we have no idea who. So <laughs> here we go to the next interview. Okay, I'm here with Philip DeCruz. Uh, you're running for mayor again. Uh, what's your plan? Let's take over the world. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not like a cartoon. Just to uh, talk to candidates, talk to the people in the streets, talk with them, not to them, right? Learn what they want, what they're lacking. There's a lot of frustration out there right now. You know, it's a status quo right now in City Hall, like a few of these candidates. Nothing personal against them, but they're all like regular. They're all bringing old ideas. They don't want changes. That's the problem. Do you, like, be, do you believe that uh, the next mayor should be? You believe that the next mayor should be uh, an outsider? Oh yeah, yeah, outsider for sure. Somebody's new and fresh. It hasn't been an ex-councilor, an ex-chief, or ex-existing councilor. Because right now, you put any of these people in, they want the same thing going to happen, and that's what they have. People are going to get pissed off again for the next four years. They're afraid of people are afraid of changing. But you don't do it. Got to take a chance on somebody new. So what's your campaign plan? Hit the doors, hit the streets. Ah, with people, not two people. A lot of you candidates go out there and take pictures and photo out, put the cards out there. I want to go talk to people. I want to do what they want in the city. If they don't want to vote me, I still want to talk to them. I'll put it on my Twitter. Nothing near, you know, the pros and the cons, right? Let's be honest. Amazing. Well, uh, you know, look forward to uh, uh, have you on the podcast, and uh, we'll uh, we'll set up a time and we'll go from there. And that was Philip De Cruz. Um, you know, I said to the I, I was talking to him earlier after this. I said, you know, I, I hope you're okay with the short interview. It's just because, you know, I personally know him so well. It kind of feels like recording a conversation with a friend of mine it's it's i don't know it was weird for me plus i, I already know his plans um he just needs to be more visible within the city um and i i think that he would do a good job i'm just he, people people don't know him and that's because well, it's one because the media doesn't give a fair shot to uh, people that are not the, the what do you call them, the front runners, the highlighters, whatever you want to call them. The more, the better known candidates. Yes. But the best way to get to know the people is to knock on the doors and that's his plan. So um, I, I'm I'm excited for him and I, and I hope that he goes from Tobacco to Scarborough to North York and even down to Ward Island. Uh, your thoughts? Phil has, um, you know, actually, I feel like that goes with what I was saying before with uh, with Bilao, where it's, uh, 
you know, you were, you went along with John Tory most of the way, uh, you voted along with him, you know, all considerations aside, uh, I think Phil and I are probably on the same wavelength of, you know, it's, it's the same counselors who voted for this stuff. We expect them to act so radically differently when we elect the mayor for some reason. So like, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely see where Phil's coming from when he's, he's on that side. And that's sort of, that's the frustrating thing where you take, and it's not that we, also, we don't want to discount experience. You know, when I, all, all the stuff that I've said, of course, these people being, uh, you know, John Tory's, you know, with them or whatever, and that being a part of the problem. On the other hand, these people have worked within the realms of government, specifically Toronto City Hall. So, I mean, there is an element of, experience with that um, versus people who don't have the experience with that bureaucracy. And so that's sort of the thing. It's, it's the two, there's sort of two conflating ideas. You, you don't really, well, for what I've been saying, you don't want what has been going on the same old, but those are the counselors. Those are the people who are already, in the media are going to get the media attention. And then you got the people who are outside of the government setup who aren't as well known, who see the issues because they're closer to the ground there, but they're not going to get that media attention because they don't already have their foot in the door. It's a very frustrating, like no win situation. And I like, that's gotta be hard for all of the candidates who aren't bigger names. True. I mean, even with our former guest, Isabella Gamp, I don't know if you heard during the Brad Bradford interview we just played, she was heard in the in the background. I'm waiting to talk to the media, but they made her go by. So she she um, she's in a wheelchair. So she had to uh, go right behind Bradford while he was addressing the media. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure if that was uh, a misunderstanding. I mean, personally, I was hoping there was a misunderstanding on Isabella's part where it was uh, maybe they would have given her the opportunity to, to speak. Um, I'm, I'm hoping the case wasn't that they just sort of shoot her away, but uh, it's, I, you know, again, I didn't see her after. Did you, did you actually uh, talk to her after? No, no, unfortunately. So I wasn't sure what happened when we left. She was gone. Yeah. Um, okay, let's go on to the next one. Uh, and was 
the recipient of 2019 Union Davis Award. Uh, Toronto isn't I think everybody knows that. The it is a product of failed capitalist system. Only a socialist measures offer solutions that we have laid out in the platform. The MSA and I call for immediate measures of housing, construction, expropriation of dear landlords, and free public transit. Spending 15 million to collect 7 million fare is a, is a bad business model. We seek, we seek to repair our schools and our police budget by at least 50% to achieve We demand the climate justice agenda, a replacement of the strong mayor powers with grassroots participatory budget process and a steep taxation of big business and the rich. Premier Doug Ford says, don't vote for anyone who wants to cut the police budget. He said, don't vote, vote for anyone who voted for the police budget, who created the crisis. The good thing is, I don't have experience in creating this crisis. <laughs> let's build community power, let's build working class power from the bottom up. Organize and fight and vote socialism. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, my name is Barry. I'm with the Municipal Socialist Alliance, and we'll take any questions you may have at this time. What's your platform? Uh, our platform is on the website of uh, Municipal Socialist Alliance, uh, Municipal Socialist Alliance. It's a completely, uh, it's a uh, democratically uh, researched and developed platform. It's that's that's only but only policy that was imported, taken the input of all the experts in the industry. So um, it is a. I invite everybody to take a look at it, and we take input as we go. We are not perfect, and we will make it perfect. And we will not use police to solve housing crisis because police are not the experts of housing housing crisis, and police are not the experts of solving social problems. And public transit must be free. And that was Kiri Vedavalu. I got some thoughts. Do you want me to start? Yeah, you can start. I'm going to be very actually. Wait, I'm going to be very critical because because you're going to be very critical. I'm I'm just going to give my thoughts because I'm going to be the opposite of of critical. I'm going to be supportive. Uh, a because of course me and Kiri do share a lot of the same values. Uh, we have a lot of the same ideas, um, but at the same time. Uh, what was interesting about being in the media scrum was, you know, hearing the other people sort of whisper amongst each other. And there was a lot of disrespect, like, placed against Kiri because he was running as a socialist, you know, because he had suggested the free transit. And, you know, you get them whispering like, well, you know, doesn't he realize that costs money? Nobody doesn't think that costs money. You know, like, it's not... <sighs> I don't know. So I, I felt like the the sort of chattering people there, I, I thought they were very dismissive and rude to Kiri. Like, obviously, he wasn't as prepared speaking style as, like, again, the more well-known people. But I, I just, I wasn't crazy about how dismissive they were of him. So for me, you know, I first saw Kiri. Um, he let his hair grow out, as I said before. And you know, he and I, I don't think ever physically met. So we met today and he first asked me, Matthew, you're not running. Why are you not running? And I said, well, there's too many candidates and I don't feel like getting into this pissing match. So I'd rather report on it. And then, you know, 
like Phil, I'm going to take my chances in 2026. Anyway, we love Kiri. I think he is one of, if not the smartest candidates in the entire race. He's just so smart and smooth. And he doesn't need a, a, a script to read off of. He could have done that whole thing by himself. Um, I don't like what happened because I, I don't agree with the MSA. And I've, I've been vocal about this. I think that I think that Curie would do fine on his own. I think that he is smart enough. I think that he's smooth enough. And I think that he's vocal enough to be on his own. I think the MSA drags him down. And I think that Barry, is that his name? Is that his name? He just wants... Was that the, uh, the, the, the media guy? Yeah, he just wants... He's the leader, the quote-unquote leader of the MSA. Um, I think think he wants media attention. Um, he just wanted to be in front of the cameras. I don't, you know, why didn't he run? Um, it just bugs me. You know, let's let's play devil's advocate and say Kiri wins. So does that mean what? Uh, even though he's the mayor, because he's part of a party, the leader of the party, which is Barry, will decide what Kiri does. I mean, how does that work? Do they know? Does anybody know? If I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. The municipal's pod I, at yahoo.com. Please tell me I'm wrong. I don't uh, have an answer for you because I don't know how they'd want to set it up. It just it just irritates me, and I, I think that Curie deserves better. And like I said, and I'll say it one more time, he's probably, if not the smartest, one of the smartest candidates in the whole thing. And, uh, you know, I hope to have him on. I hope he's not offended by my comments because I really I don't mean to to offend anybody. This is just my personal thoughts. Um, and yeah, I think I'll just, I'll just leave it. I'll just leave it right there. And let's move on to the next interview. Cause a few of these now are quite long. So I apologize in advance. Okay. I'm going to stop that because I can't even hear that. Uh, but that was Josh. Yeah, I was Matt. wondering, was that the one, the, was that the interview that went so long the phone went into sleep mode and I didn't catch it? It might have been. Uh, that was Josh Matlow, um, which is sad because I, I really would have loved to include it. Uh, he's really, really a, a charming guy. He's very passionate from what I can see. And, uh, you know, I, I, I keep saying it and I'll say it again. I'm excited for this election. Um, Everyone's come out to, uh, to to play. Now, before you give your thoughts, I'll just say, you know, real quick, I kind of, I, I ran out, I actually spoke directly to him. Um, oh, shit. I ran after, because uh, well, well, I didn't know who the media person was in this particular instance. And he directed me to him, but he's like, he shook my hand and he's like, I, I'm more than happy to come on the podcast. So, um, well, I'm waiting to hear. Um and, uh, you know, it was the same thing. Sorry to go back a minute for uh, the the representative uh, for Anna Bailao. Again, like very receptive. So uh, I give all the the uh, team members props. Um, you have anything you want to say about Josh Matlow, uh, his scrum? So I do want to say 
I've been criticizing the other counselors and saying, you know, that you can't say you're running on change when you've voted with John Tory. But that doesn't really apply to Josh Matlow because he's been very kind of publicly um, combative with John Tory. So when I think of, here's the thing. I, I think I'm more on the, on Philip the Cruz, his like view of, you know, you don't want the the people who've been a part of the system continuing it. You know, um, I think we are, I think I'm more interested in supporting an outsider candidate. But of the candidates who are counselors, who are former or current counselors, Josh Matlow is 100 percent my my pick Absolutely. because I just uh, I he he speaks to the issues very well. Um, he's speaking, he's advocating for this stuff while he's on council. I, I think he's solid. I'm kind of surprised he didn't show up in an Iron Man suit. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, here we go with the next one. Good morning, everybody. I feel wonderful. I'm, I'm determined to make Toronto a livable, safe, city the way that I know it can be. I'm working on a campaign that will be having space, will be honest, and will be funded to be able to actually achieve our results. I've seen a decline in services for too many years. I've seen our TVC become less safe. I've seen our neighborhoods become less safe, our city less affordable, and services decline, such as everything from snow clearing to our bathrooms being broken to our roads not being paved. As a parent, I can tell you it is like the Olympic Games, keeping our kids into a spot in a rec room. We can do a lot better, but we can't keep pretending that we don't have to pay for what we need to improve the lives of people throughout our city, including those in our city who don't have the supports that they need today. I believe the best way to address our problems is to fix the root causes of our problems, and that will be a focus. You know, many of you know that I've worked for many years on improving our lives with respect to moving forward with the senior strategy for Toronto, the youth equity strategy, including creating youth hubs to support vulnerable youth, extending sidewalk snow clearing, and making sure that City Hall, along with other levels of government, are held to account to support the quality of life of residents. That's what I'm going to be doing as mayor if I'm elected on June 26th. And I'm very excited to go to every single one of our wards over the next 30 days. The reason I believe it's important to visit every one of the 25 wards over the first 30 days is because as we develop our platform, and you'll be hearing us roll it out over the next several weeks, I want to go and discuss our vision for Toronto with Toronto residents in the neighborhoods and communities where they live. But just as importantly, I want them to inspire our platform. I want them to co-author our platform due to what their priorities are, working with experts in every field, whether it be housing, supporting the unhoused, transportation, and improving services, so that when we come forward to Torontonians to ask for their trust and their support, that it's not just you know coming up with ideas that, uh, that I think have not been successful in the past, but real ideas, honest ideas, funded ideas that will actually improve our lives. And that's why I'm running, and I'm excited to do that. Councilor, 
looking forward. You're coming off a pretty volatile week. Yes, City Council. Are you more or less pleased by it? You didn't get a lot of support from fellow councillors. How do you go about providing that consensus you're trying to find? Yeah. Well, you know, for first of all, uh, there have been efforts by you know barons to either uh, you know tell councillors you're not going to get a committee appointment to you know, go along with them, or strong mayor powers that suggest that uh, it's somehow democratic to move forward an idea minority rule, which is the antithesis of democracy anywhere in the world. I'm going to be strong by not just because the legislation says that I'm a strong mayor, but because the ideas are strong, that they're grounded in evidence. I will influence my colleagues because what we're going to be putting forward will be supportive of our communities. And I, I honestly want my colleagues to you know, support our agenda because they believe in public service, they believe in supporting the quality of life of the people they serve, uh, rather than any strong mayor legislation. And, you know, alluding to last week, when there's information coming forward that is factual or independent, objective, we should support it. When it's not, we need to challenge it. And I intend to continue doing that, whether it be here at City Hall, but also when it comes to Queen's Park. I mean, I think it's important to have a collaborative and supportive relationship with the Premier and the Ontario government when it comes to our common goals to support Toronto residents. That's how you get things done. But when they want to sell off our, our green belts, our future, when they want to privatize our waterfront at Ontario Place, when they don't fulfill their responsibilities when it comes to social housing, transportation, and other provincial reviews, our job is to challenge, and I will stand up for Toronto because my job is not to represent any other level of government and any other interest. My job is to represent Toronto. Okay, so I'm not with one thing, but actually coming through with the money from the other levels so of government that you have to participate in and have a good relationship Absolutely. with the other. You know, Mayor or Premier Ford hasn't named you by name, but he is alluded to the fact yeah. Yeah, that, that there isn't. He's not in favor of people. So, what would you do to actually bridge that gap? Well, first of all, I I respectfully suggest that the tactics used by uh, former mayors didn't work. They weren't successful. In other words, the go along to get along approach we've done forward didn't achieve our goals. In fact, when David Miller left, Toronto had a surplus. We are now settled. $1.5 billion shortfall. We're facing a $46 billion budget pressure over the next decade. Um, the reserves were rated. The coverage are bare. So I haven't seen uh, the government bail out Toronto the way it was suggested they might last year. Um, they have not indicated that they will upload our highways. In fact, they rejected it. So I do believe that any plan that we move forward with, or even propose during a campaign, needs to be honest, needs to be realistic, needs to be actually funded. And that's why I'm proposing not just to negotiate a new deal with other levels of government for both the financial and governance framework that works for Toronto, but I'm not just proposing to present them. I believe that we need to get our own house in order. We need to address the budget pressures. And to begin with, uh, we're going to have a 2% property tax that's dedicated to uh, improving our services the city works for it. Uh, that's going to bring in $390 for five years. 
What it means to the average homeowner is $5.55 a month, the price of a sandwich to begin improving our services. It won't be enough starts and over the course of the next few weeks you're going to hear some substantive announcements about how we're going to make sure that we have the funds available to improve our services and not waste money on things that we shouldn't be wasting money on and when, when, when do you think that borders are at this time when we're already facing a lot of increased costs and inflation are going to vote for some proposing the tax down yeah um let's put it this way i i have trust in truck companies and i have faith that most Torontonians understand that Toronto can be a much better city. That's more inclusive. With better services, our roads can get fixed. Our social services can improve. We can choose to take care of the people who are sleeping on our streets and in our parks. We can choose. But honest people understand. Thoughtful people understand. As I believe most Torontonians are, that you don't get the right. And I'd rather be up front, just as I, uh, in my campaign, I tell the Torontonians that I'm not going to make up like smart truck that never was real, or that my plan is that Doug Ford is going to do something that I have no idea what to do. I can't get into the mind of Doug Ford. But what I can do is be up front to invest in the services that we rely on that we need to be the city I know we can be. And, you know, if you don't start a campaign like that, I don't believe you can earn from this trust. So that was Josh Matlow. I guess I don't know what happened there, but... <laughs> I, I think that was the case of... Uh where the phone went to, to sleep and you brought it back. And that must have been that messed up recording. So I think we've already said most of what we wanted to say about our pro-Josh Matlow stance. I do want to say one thing. I I enjoy the little bits of like canned dialogue that these candidates are throwing into their campaign. They're like slogans. So Josh Matlow has previously mentioned this uh, this price of a sandwich uh, comment, and I'd just like to give a shout out to former uh, former guest municipal uh, Brit, who uh, challenged that that price of a sandwich, and of course I had said that it was uh, I think the the amount he's using is like five dollars something five fifty and yeah and of course Brit's position is you can't get a good sandwich at that price, and I was saying. That that's pretty close to the price of a meatball sub at Subway, but I guess the problem is that's not a quality sandwich, right? <laughs> All <laughs> right, she's correct. You know, she. I appreciate her hard stance on sandwich economics, which is what I said. Let's move on to the next interview. Very good. That well. No one would have thought that in 2023 we would be here today, but here we are. And, uh, you know, I'm a kid from Scarborough. I grew up in uh, a part of our city, and I'm a champion of Scarborough. And I want to say champion of Toronto. I want to be focused on the things that really matter to the city from affordability. We want to have a city where young people can grow up and see themselves being able to live and work here. Uh, of course, our transit system, it has to be safe and we have to keep building it and investing in our transit system. And just in terms of how I lead, 
by consensus and not using the strong mayor's powers. So I'm very focused on the city's priorities and uh, it feels fantastic to be at a point um, where the way I've championed Scarborough, I can do that now for the rest of us. No, I did not. Um, I will be resigning my seat at the MTP for Scarborough Guildwood before the nomination period closes. One of the biggest issues in the city is getting funding from the province. You also have a bit of an adversary relationship. Come there, how are you going to make it? Well, I certainly have uh, the experience to hold Governor Ford to account uh, under many circumstances. I'm also a very strong advocate, and um, and I would be a strong advocate for the Toronto. We do have in our budget we have to address that and, uh, and there are a number of things that we need to look at that will need the cooperation of the province uh, we revenue tools we need to negotiate federal levels as well um, so that each level uh, takes their responsibility this city cannot fail we need to have a city that succeeds on all fronts whether it's the economic front as well as uh, a place uh, for, for people in the city and so those are the areas that I'll be championing in Toronto and um, I'm a collaborator as well, so I'll work together with both levels of government to make sure that Toronto gets its fair share. Yeah, in a way, this is coming back to my roots. Um, you know, I worked as the chief administrative officer for Toronto Community Housing, reporting through the city manager to the, to the, the mayor of the city. So I'm very used to the city hall um, aspects. And uh, at the same time, I bring experience at other levels of government, which is well needed to be this world class city. And see, one of uh, the people who came here before, the uh, deprioritizing de bike lanes as one of the first things he said. That's the, police, the former police chief. Do you have any feelings about that kind of issue? Because there's so much emphasis right now on public security. But what about the other kinds of things that are Toronto moving around the city? Yeah, Toronto is a, it's a great world-class and must-be a livable city. That includes bike lanes. So we're not going to you know, attack our bike lanes. We want to make sure that Toronto has a good plan for a network of bike lanes that makes sense for the city. And we also have to keep Toronto moving. We, we're an, an economic engine for the province and uh, for the country. And we want a city that, uh, that moves and a city that works. Active transportation is extremely important. And, you know, one of the focuses that... I, I believe that we need to have is a city that works for everyone, everyone in the city. So those in the suburbs, like in my community in Scarborough, where I now live, as well as, you know, North York, Midtown, Etobicoke, um, downtown, and of, of course, East York. All parts of the city has to work for everyone. And that was Mitzi Hunter. Now, I think you probably have more to say, or... I, I assume you do. I don't know enough about Mitzi Hunter. Um, my current main issue with what she said, which isn't a lot. She said a lot of correct things. You know, obviously our transit is an issue, safety. You know, she's hitting on the correct things. Um, oh, I lost my thought of what my issue was. <laughs> 
you, Matthew, you you give some thoughts, and I'll I'll hopefully jump back to what my issue was. Well, I mean, it's just what I said last time, uh, and I know. I mean, I said it to you earlier today. Is I think that at the provincial level, she's done everything she could do. Um, you know, she ran for leadership. She lost. She was a part of the Kathleen Wynne government, which uh, say what you want about that. I'm 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 done beating that dead horse. Uh, you know. It's, it's time to move to a new challenge. And, you know, Scarborough is um, underrepresented. Is that a word? Uh, it is. You know, I know we had former acting or Deputy Mayor Norm Kelly. And, and you know, we have current Deputy Mayor Jennifer McKelvey. They're both from Scarborough. But, I mean, other than that, Scarborough is underrepresented. And it would be nice to have a, a mayor who not only is from Scarborough, but lives in Scarborough and would continue to live in Scarborough during the course of her mayoral reign, if I could say that. Um, you know, and the people that are representing her are nice. You know, she personally shook my hand, you know. Oh, wow. I spoke with uh, uh, the 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 contact lady, and uh, you know, I'm excited to have her on the show if and when we can figure out a time and and go from there. But like, I mean, that's that's basically it's just me repeating my words from last week. But hopefully, now you can uh, finish your thought. You know, and the funny thing is, I I think I remember my thought, but it was counter to what you were saying. And you are more correct than I am because I was going to start. Uh, and it's funny that I was going to say this real after I told you that I was like, uh, I think it's okay for us to look at past things in a modern lens and, you know, be critical of it. Uh, I was, uh, I, I promise this will make sense. I was about to say, I was like, I don't think it's that important for there to be, uh, you know, so, I don't think it's that important that you're from Scarborough, that you're running for mayor. Uh, and then you brought up those points and I was like, right, that is all very true. I think I'm making an incorrect point. So, uh, I think I'm wrong. And, uh, you know, if I just kept forgetting my point, I would have been able to keep my mouth shut about this, but I, I think you're correct. And, and one other thing I'll add, you know, I, I don't objectify anybody, but I can't help but, but look at her and, you know, she's, she's still young. She's. She's got she's got a lot of gas left in the tank, and even if she's not successful winning the mayor's chair, it doesn't preclude her from joining the federal liberals. Even if we don't like the federal liberals, but that's okay. That's that's a different conversation for another day. Listen, that's not this election. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the next interview. And I figured out the interview that was messed up. It was actually Mark Saunders' interview. So quickly, do you, do you have anything you want to add on his interview, and then we'll move on? Um, no cops. <laughs> <laughs> Is that does it need to go like considering that we we completely what about, messed what about up? what about okay? There's only one point that I'm going to make, and th and then we will move on. But um, I don't know if you heard the part in his interview where he said, "I have the backing of the premier." Right. And I, I think that goes along with my, my previous thought of 
when has the city of Toronto ever done what Premier Ford wants us to do? We hate that, man. However, we are excited at the prospect of Mark Saunders coming on the municipals. Right, I gotta stop and, and, shit talking so hard. I gotta stop shit talking so hard. No, no, <laughs> you gotta listen. You gotta give me a gimme before I go on like a a shit talking tangent. Of <laughs> we we had a deal. I was I was nice to Gil Penalosa, and I'm actually glad I was nice because the atonement piece that we did last or I did last week, I I meant every word. Now it's time for you to be nice. I listen, who are we going to have on that, you know, we're going to talk to and I'm just immediately going to be like, hey, go fuck yourself. Nice to meet you. I'm Philip. <laughs> All right, here we go. Next interview. Why haven't I been back? Well, before today. Should have, and I shouldn't have gone anywhere. I should have stayed here. It's our boy Mamaliti. If I did, uh, I think that a lot of people are surprised with respect to what's going on uh, in this city, and I, I'm wondering why they're surprised. You know, we uh, we've looked at two administrations that have uh, virtually taken away the rights of police officers to do their job. And then when we get a stabbing and find out that the person who stabbed and killed someone was known to the police. But we took carding away from, from the city of Toronto a number of years ago, a couple of terms ago. And now we're wondering why all of this is happening on our streets and in our subway system. So why am I here? I'm here to tell you that. I'm here to say it's time that we recognize that some of the policies that were in place did help our city. And, uh, and made sure that our city was safe. I think with me here, if I were over the last four years, I would have not just kept silent like many kept silent uh, during COVID and took the rights away from our, our families uh, with their voice and passed a number of things that we still don't know how much it's going to cost us. I would have been here to deal with safety issues. I would have been here to deal with fiscal issues. I would have been able to be the voice of the families who needed needed that voice the most. And I need to say that we need to finish the job that we started. Rob Ford died. And I was a part of that administration. And that administration had a, a series of things that were unresolved. Safety, security, policing, TTC issues, for sure. And... and I want to bring it back to that argument and era. I think it's time for us to talk about finishing the job that we started in 2010 and making sure that we make these streets safer for everybody. I will be that tough mayor that will make sure the streets are safer in this city. The question is, I will also be the soft kind of guy when we need to around some of the issues that I believe need to be addressed as well. First, we have to talk about our fiscal restraints. Our fiscal responsibility to this city is to make sure that we can afford things that we take on. An audit will be done with me as the mayor, just like we did in 2011, 
and we went line by line and item by item and we made sure that we could afford what we what we spent instead of getting into debt we need to do this for a number of reasons one it's our responsibility and two we're not going to get anywhere with the province if we keep this up the premier has made it clear that we have got to pull up our socks and make sure that fiscal responsibility is a part of what we're doing here. So a line-by-line uh, uh, audit, uh, item audit as well, will determine what, what items are a priority in this city and what it is that we could shift in the way of money to areas like affordable housing, of which I wrote the policy, uh, by the way, in this, in this city, the first 10-year uh, affordable housing policy was written by myself the first 10-year affordable housing in North America, I might add. So it was, it was my report and my vision that had us uh, mix uh, and get rid of segregation in this, in this city and treat people a lot better than they were treated and are being treated in our social housing units. So affordable housing uh, is a priority. We're going to find that money and we're going to make sure that we utilize the report that I wrote, which is still there, collecting dust, and utilize the private sector and private landlords in this in this city to ensure uh, affordable housing for people. That's going to be done uh, once we recognize what money can be shifted over to the priorities. Along with that, and our families are suggesting that consultation take place with everything that we're doing. We've lost touch with the local family. Our children don't have a job. They struggle to put food on their table, and, and the living room and kitchen discussions are all about what's going on at City Hall. I can't afford anything anymore. I can't afford my mortgage. I can't afford first and last month rent. I can't afford to go and buy a pizza if I wanted to or something to eat. I can't afford my first down payment for my house. So we've got to deal with what we're hearing with our families. Our families have to come first. Families before politics. And then finally, I believe that we have to recognize what's going on with the TTC. And I believe that we have heard time and time again from those that work for the TTC and ride our transit system. It's unsafe. People don't like it. It's dirty. It's not respectable. And the union has been telling us that forever. And instead of listening to them over, over the last few years, we should have implemented a number of different ways to make it safer. With me as mayor, I will appoint a union member to the commission board to sit on the board and so that they play an active role with the decisions that are being made every day uh, with the TTC. That's a first. Nobody has ever done that before. And the reason I'm doing that is because I want to hear from the people that work there as well. We've already have people that take transportation that are going to be a part of, uh, of all our decision making, but we don't have that, that worker, that person that represents the worker on the board. So I think that that's a pretty good idea, and I'd like to try that out and see if it works. The other thing I want to do is implement uh, the first real police division, TTC, public transportation police division that'll work strictly out of the TTC. And 
and that will be coupled with uh, a mental health unit uh, as well. So we're recognizing that it's not just enforcement that we need, but we also need to recognize that a mental health unit uh, is wanted as well. So the so TTC will have its own division with me as the mayor, and I believe that if we move swiftly and get this uh, get this done. Uh, I think that we're going to have immediately a safer place to go. Did you know that uh, that if you if you want to wait for a train now because of the cuts with the TTC, uh, then in fact you're you're not. It used to be seven minutes that you're waiting. Now it's fourteen, and in that in that increase uh, of people, we are now we are now subject to a whole slew of people not being able to get home on time, wondering whether or not they're going to have. Uh, a seat on on the uh, on on the subway or the bus, and it's no wonder that people's patients are wearing thin, and it's no wonder they're feeling you know a, a bit uneasy. This system has become unsafe to our people in the city, and as mayor, I will make it uh, a safe, uh, comfortable, wonderful feeling again. Uh, instead of a big stress ball of fear that you, seems to be going on in our TPC. What's your position on the ideas that you have are pretty costly. The city has more than a billion dollar home in its budget. Where is the money for this going to come from? Same, same place we found the money in 2010 going into 2011. A line-by-line -line item uh, audit uh, that will point to areas that uh, we may need to cut out and redirect money into our priorities. That's where I'm going to find it. I already did it once, and I'll do it again. Other mayors have done that line-by-line -line audit, though, and have not found that, that kind of savings. So, so what, 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 what would be up for, for cut? L loud and clear, I will find that money. And we will decide together, more importantly, on where to spend the money that we do find. Our, our city has gone through uh, six years, roughly, of this government here doing what they want. They, they're doing what they want without consultation. Gosh, they've decided to go uh, to Zoom meetings, uh, to have council meetings by Zoom now. They want to stay in their pajamas in their living rooms uh, to, to have, to have uh, uh, council meetings. We've got to get our councillors back to work, and we've got to go line by line and figure out what the priorities are in the city. And, and for me, that, that is big. I'm just going to turn it off. Um, you say you want to go back to 2010. You ran for mayor in 2010 and lost. So feeling I didn't lose. I, I dropped out. I, I, I cut a deal with Rob Ford. I played a huge part in that administration, as you know. And, and I, I, I ran for my seat back uh, with that understanding with uh, the mayor at the time. But I think you can agree that if you had a good enough chance to be Rob Ford, that you wouldn't have dropped out. So clearly the city didn't want you then. I would argue, and I think a lot of other advocates would, that wanting to go back to 2010 also isn't the answer. The city wasn't perfect then. So are you a mayor that wants to take us backwards or forwards? No, I'm a mayor that wants responsibility. I want, I, I'm want. i a mayor that's going to uh, respect the family and make sure that every single uh, family is consulted before we make decisions. We've made a whole bunch of decisions over the last few years that has made the city unsafe. We've made those decisions without consultation with our families. It has to be families before politics. And that's the leadership I'm going to bring here, is the voice for that family that feels unsafe, the family that feels uh, abandoned and, and without a job, the, the, the family that feels like they can't walk the streets anymore uh, uh, without getting mugged or, 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 or stabbed. 
the family that, that feels uncomfortable asking their children to go play hockey on the streets, folks. We have lost our way. And we've got to start listening to our families. And that's what I bring as a, as a leader. safety, I just want to really point this out because you seem to be really pushing for more policing. There was yes. a really big police budget in the city here. They're nodding their head. One of the topics that you just mentioned at the very beginning is party, something that a lot of advocates and community members said was racist. But you're saying that it was a good thing and you want to bring it back. How do you address those concerns that were already met? Consultation. We're going to talk with the police. We'll talk with our families. We'll talk with uh, anyone that wants to, to be real about making our streets safe again. Now, now, it's not just police officers and enforcement that is going to make our streets safe again. We have to understand some of the social problems that are going on on our streets as well. That's why mental illness plays, a, uh, the understanding of mental illness plays a huge role in my campaign. And it should with any division that we have, whether it's police or or any other department in the city. We've got to couple our, our enforcement with that as well. And carding, and carding, you can call it carding if you want. I don't know. Maybe we'll we'll think of another term. No, I said we got rid of carding. And, and it was the minute we got rid of carding is the minute we started seeing all of the activity and all the people feeling unsafe in this Councilor, are you saying that when they got rid of carding, crime came back? That's your argument here? Absolutely. That's 100%. But, but how can you say that you want to respect people when you want to bring something like that back that, that clearly that's the families. discriminatory that's the families if they want their police department to know the characters in their communities that are going to cause the problem ask the families ask her but are you also asking the families of those young black men and young indigenous men young indigenous women who are being stopped and frisked on the streets when they hadn't done anything wrong are you talking to those families who were the victims of this policy i'm going to talk to everybody I'm even going to talk to the drug dealers again. The people that all, some of you made fun of me about was doing. You know, uh, I, I want to make sure that everybody understands, again, that there seems to be 1% of the tenants in, in this city that seem to be the problem uh, that occurs on all of our streets. So I want to talk to everybody again. I want everybody to understand that by dealing with 1% of, the, of some of the people in this city that are causing us an issue, we can actually get rid of most of our crime. Why don't you give me that chance? Give me the chance to prove that I'm right to the city. Give me the chance to make sure that you're safe, that you know that when you leave your home, somebody is gonna stab you or shoot you. We can say all we want about what's going on, but the reality is this. If I were still here uh, as a counselor, I would have fought tooth and nail to make sure that this, this city was safe. And right now I'm, I'm asking, uh, for uh, for partnership, I'm asking for partnership with our TTC. I'm asking them to be a partner at the table because right now that is priority. The TTC is priority, and they need to be at the table. The suits in this city and TTC have failed our people. The suits have failed our people with the decisions that they've made. It's time that we start listening to the employees and the riders of the TTC. And it's time to start utilizing people in the TTC that who have been taken, they've taken away their ability to do their job. TTC, subway are abandoned. If you go into a subway station now, you're not going to see anybody, especially at night. So no wonder people feel free to just do whatever they want. And it's become a home for people. TTC is supposed to bring people safely around the city. That's what they do best. 
they're not landlords. They can't take care of our homeless. And so we need everybody at the table to figure that one out. Look, I'm going to say this to you. A guy that, that, that a guy that said, I, I, I grew up at Jane and Finch. It was my neighborhood. And we moved up in the 60s. And I saw the changes in that community. I saw changes in the community when I, when I wrote the affordable housing report and recognized that, that we cannot keep going with segregation. Any form of social housing that you're seeing that, that was built in the 40s and the 50s in the city is segregation. And so we need to understand that if we're going to get rid of many of our problems here, we have to treat people decently. And we have to make sure that what we did at Regent Park, we're doing around the whole city. But yet again, when we uh, decided that we we're going to take the tools away from the police department, all of a sudden you have in some of our social housing units, 1% of the people who live there that decide that they can turn their units into heroin dens. <laughs> they decided that they, they, they are the boss. They are the landlords. And they've now taken it onto the streets of Toronto. And now we're wondering what happened. Okay, uh, that's that's enough of that. Um, <laughs> I know that you're probably going to be critical, so I'm just <laughs> going to be positive, and then I'm going to I'm going to give you the floor. A lot of people don't like Rob Ford. They still think he was an embarrassment. And as I said last week. He did a lot for this city. You'd like him, hate him, whatever you want. He did a lot for the city, and he entertained us. And Giorgio Mammoliti was a part of that. And Giorgio Mammoliti is more Rob Ford than Doug Ford, if that's possible. Um, no, that makes sense to me. And I'm excited. He wants to come on the podcast. I'm excited to have him on. Uh, I'm excited to pick his brain, get some sound bites. And really listen to his plan. And now it's your turn. Huh. All right. So I want to start with credit where credit is due. A lot of the other people who went up to that that medium, sorry, that media podium to to talk about their mayoral pitch. Very often, a lot of them were talking about the word change, but without any sort of substantive um you know ideas just the word change now i i i'm not for any of the ideas that Mamalady presented but the fact that he had ideas to present is noteworthy and i have to give him credit for that now so that was uh you know when he was on script and he had that script then he was good as soon as the question started, it was like immediate, just like, oh my god, the you know between the the question on the carding, between and the I didn't lose, <laughs> you know, like there were just there were some great moments of what I understand to be classic mammalitisms. Let me ask you this question. And maybe we can ask a carding-related question in the future to, to candidates. Um, 
if it wasn't taking away the carding, can you point to a single law or or policy or fill in the blank that was the antithesis because we've always had crime but the antithesis where it escalated up and it we haven't seen a de-escalation of any sort because it's still very high go ahead yes you know the funny thing was i was i was gonna you know when you started asking the question i was thinking uh no i'll give him a generic you know it's it's so many various factors of things. No, I think there is one factor that has made things worse, uh, especially in this province. And that was um, the province losing rent control on newer units. And I, I think that's what's brought us into this position of these spiraling out of control rents. And now that our housing is so much more insecure than it ever has been before, People are more desperate. People are in a worse uh, financial place now. Um, their mental health is suffering because they're not getting by. And I do 100% starting place that on uh, the Ford government's removal of rent control. Interesting. Okay. Uh, do you have anything else to <laughs> add? That's, then... that's, that's just a political theory. Sorry, yeah. I, I, I love it. For fun. I love it. Any, <laughs> anything else on our boy George before we move on? I I'm looking forward uh, to his antics. I love it. I think more than more than anyone else, I think he's going to be the fun one to watch. All right, here we go with the next one. I think this is our final one for the night. share with me their interests, their passions, their concerns, whatever their concerns the past decade. Can I use time for a fresh voice, a fresh perspective, which is what I want to bring to City Hall. I think the status quo voices that got us to this place have all this concern. People got a lot of concerns. I don't think those voices are the ones who get out of this situation, which is why I'm stepping forward as a fresh voice, a fresh perspective. And I want to have a conversation you now about about who really runs this thing. You know, is it the lobbyists? Is it the big corporations? Is it those nutty activists that they don't really represent anyone, but you just get a dozen of them down here at City Hall kicking and screaming City Hall caves? Or is this going to be about the regular folks? Is it going to be about the small and medium business? So I'm going to cut that because we had Anthony Fury on last week, and uh, I love his message. Um, again, I may not agree with everything that he says, but I respect his message. And he's very clear, which you were saying before when we were talking about Giorgio Mammoliti, a lot of the a lot of the candidates are saying change, 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 without actually being specific. And you know, Phil, now that we're here, we're here for the main event. Because since we got there this morning, I was like, where's Blake? He said he was going to be here. He he had a little thing going with Philip the Cruz. I'm going to be the first in line. But he wasn't. He didn't show up until... I wasn't close. He didn't show up, I think, till 11. Um, and what's funny is that he waited for Anthony Fury to finish his comments. 
he waited there because he wanted to talk to the media. And it's funny because when he first uh, when he first came up to the microphones, I, I think they were they were closing up shop. Oh yeah, they were they were packing away. They did not like knowing knowing what we know about about Blake Acton. It was it was very obvious that he really wanted to be treated as if he was on the same caliber as the other candidates. And he really wanted that moment to speak as part of that media scrum. Uh, so, so due to a lack of uh, people asking questions, media, it was myself and Steve Ryan from CP24 asking the questions and Everything just kind of went from there. So I'm going to play it, and then we'll we'll talk, and then uh, we'll, we'll probably uh, end it from there. Okay, here we go. Okay. I'm we have so much crime in Toronto that it's, it, it has to stop, and the citizens of Toronto are had enough. Uh, I was a police officer for 30 years, a lot of crime, and for decades now, the politicians promising they're going to do things, and it's not happening. So we have to have change in this city, and it's not happening. We have to have it. Part of my platform, in order to fund the DTC, will be through. And audit. we have to find out where all the money is going to TTC. I'm being called by, uh, I'm being flooded with calls from TTC bus drivers saying that money is going out the door right from us. And they're upset. They're concerned about what's going on with where the money's going. I'll do an audit. We have to phase out the rest of cards with more advertising. TTC's on primary embassy of Toronto. So we have to advertise properly and encourage revenue to build its skills. Well, we're going to do funding. We're going to do uh, more advertising on the TTC. Right now, the TTC, as I said, is on some of the prime real estate in Toronto. So we have to advertise. Once the, the air enforcement, we spend a lot of money right now enforcing uh, the TTC. There's, the evaders cost tens and tens of thousands, a million dollars. So we have to look at a different way of budgeting for the TTC. Right now, we're working. We're issuing tickets to people that aren't going to pay that to the fine. So it, it's backwards. Why enforce something that's not going to be that? So if we reduce the cost of the TTC in order to reduce the uh, and eliminate the Presto card, that costs taxpayers hundreds of millions of dollars. That, that they're they're damaged. They're they're uh, uh, there's so much that can be reduced. So if I hear you correctly, you're saying that if you keep advertising on the TTC, that will allow right to those records a lot. No, no, no. I'm saying that in order to encourage revenue in the TTC, we have to look at what's going into the TTC, where the money's going out, and we're spending it on issues that are backwards. We're, we're, we're giving tickets to people that aren't going to pay tickets. We're paying uh, salaries to uh, TTC enforcement. For nothing, because they're going to be giving tickets, and they have been giving tickets, and they're not being paid. So we're, we're, we're paying a salary, something that, that, that is unnecessary. So if we reduce the Presto uh, part, 
that'll generate, that'll reduce tons of money for the city. I'm advertising, once those ticket booths are gone and the wickets are gone, we can put, for example, Tim Hortons in there, lease the land a bit more, and find out, we'll get more methods of creating revenue instead of always spending money. I'm saying that we'll reduce the enforcement of the tickets, not the, the crime, not the physical crime aspect, but from the, uh, the, the ticket aspect. Right now, we're getting tickets out, and then I'll be paid. And we're spending money, and we're not getting anything in return for it. So how would you address the right? Well, those, those ticket enforcers will then be trained properly how to enforce physical crimes, not just monetary crimes. You can use become there. You do not think or do you agree that that issue with regards to violence is more than just an enforcement issue? Absolutely, yes. Well, we have to... Right now, through the pandemic, there was little ridership. Well, it's, it's like a house to go on vacation because your house uh, empty. It, it, it encourages crime. So we have to get the, the ridership back up. And there's people out there. We talk about homelessness. We talk about uh, reduced uh, affordable housing. We, we can't say we're going to get people affordable housing and then say, well, we're, gonna, we're also going to charge you on the TNC. So we have to work with the system that we have. And right now, it's not working. It's broken. The TNC is broken. It's riddled with crime. We have to think of ways outside the box in order to make the work problem. The premier talks about more law enforcement. Well, we, we definitely need the police uh, on the TTC. We need more enforcement on the TTC, but we have to get to the root of the problem. Uh, we, we saw what happened. We, we, uh, we had 80 extra officers at overtime. It was $1.5 million uh, for the month. And there was approximately 322 arrests. Well, to my mouth, that's approximately $19,000 per arrest. And we can't have $19,000 arrests. It's impossible. So we have to think outside the box, and we have to do business different. Right now, the city of Toronto, it feels like a charity. We have to run it like a business. And right now, it's not being run as a business. I'm elected. I'm a taxpayer. I'm going to run it like of business, and we're going to get back on track, and we're going to make the, the city a safer, cleaner place for people to live. Because ultimately, that's what everybody wants, is to feel safe. They want a clean place to live and feel comfortable to raise their families. Right now, people are terrified to use the DPC, and, and, and rightfully so, of what's going on. So we have to address that issue. And I addressed that the last election, and I was one of the only ones who addressed that, election, that, that topic. And here we are today. And we're talking about it uh, again. So if the people truly want a change, vote for Blake Jackson, I'm going to change Toronto. I'm going to make it a safe, clean place to live for, for families. I'm sorry, are you saying that the reason that the TTC problems got worse since the last election is because uh, they didn't uh, follow your suggestion and reinstall carding? I'm saying that there's issues on the TTC. Money's being chewed away right and left, and it has to stop. Uh, we all know that in 2021, during a pandemic, the CEO received a 21% increase. 
I didn't receive a 21% increase. So you're, you're going to provide the CEO of the DTC a 21% increase during a pandemic that was approved by City Hall. I think it's outrageous to give. That's our leader of the DTC. So we have to start thinking what's going on in the city, where the money's going. But as it as it pertains to the violence that's happening on the TTC, are you suggesting that is because carding was not reinstated? I believe carding should be reinstated. I believe if it's done, uh, if it's done uh, articulately and and it's done professionally, absolutely. And and how might one go about that? Well, listen, the Toronto Police are highly skilled professional people. They, they're trained all the time. They take courses all the time. So. They don't just run out and, and, and uh, start questioning everybody. They have reasons to believe, uh, to question people, and, and they articulate that, and that's what it's about. And in terms of um, big-ticket issues like the Gardner Expressway, tearing it down, keeping it, rebuilding it, some sort of hybrid, what would you be in favor of? The Gardner is, is an issue that they've been talking about for, for uh, a long, long time. I believe the Gardner School, it, it should be repaired, and it should be working properly. That's going to ask you about carding one more time. How is carding in your view going to reduce crime, violent crime, which is actually one or the other? Well, you know, there's, there's, uh, the carding, it was done for years and years. And, you know, police officers, as I said, are highly trained individuals that have learned uh, all kinds of skills from our police college. And it's important that they are, they're not handcuffed. Right now, I, I speak to police officers every uh, every week, and they all say they feel handcuffed. They're afraid to do their job. So if we want a safe city, we have to provide the police the tools in order to, to execute the, their, their skills. And right now, it's not happening. And that's... Sorry to cut you off there specifically with regards to carding. How is that going to reduce crime on Well, carding, as, as you know, it, it's questioning individuals in places and times that may be of question. So if there's a bank robbery or if there's a, a store that was just broken into or if there's a high drug area, we want to know what's going on there. There's families out there that care. They have children out there. We have to be able to, the police have to be able to question people uh, and articulate why they're, they're talking to them. And, and there's nothing racist. There's nothing uh, 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 negative about that. And, and really, if, if, you, if you don't want to speak to a police officer, there must be a problem. What is the problem? Why are we so uh, against the police speaking to the citizens? It's important that the police have a relationship with the citizens of Toronto. And as you know, it, it, it's like anything. You have people that are, 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 have great intentions, and then there are people that don't have great intentions. So it's important that the police are able to do their job. And right now, I'm being uh, spoken to by tons of police officers that say they're not impressed with the way the system's working right now because they can't do their job effectively. And we wonder why we're in such a crime riddle city. We want to be a big city. We have to act like a big city. And right now, it's not that way. The carding is not going to prevent, in my opinion, uh, in my opinion, carding is not, carding is not going to prevent uh, things such as those random acts of violence happening on the on the subways. So I, I, don't, I don't Well, understand. if a police officer sees a, an individual that was uh, uh, areas that, that uh, believes that, that they may uh, be um, 
uh, no good, they have they should have the right to uh, investigate that. Right now, these officers are afraid to uh, to talk to people uh, without uh, uh, any intent, and and it's wrong right now. So I uh, no, I years ago, did we have this crime with all the carding? No, we didn't. So as soon as we stopped carding, the crime rose. So you say carding? We have to. Crime, we have, higher crime is as a result of. Of, 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 no of no card. Well, because uh, police officers have to be able to investigate people and find out what's going on in our communities. Can't just let everybody walk around. If, if, if there's bad things happening in our city, we, we have to. Police officers have a tool belt of, of, of skills, and they have to be able to utilize them. Right now, they're not. And we're not police officers. We're intelligent people. Yeah. Who, who in this room is good, and who might be bad just by looking at them? Can you tell? No, you can't tell. But so for years, police officers investigated people at the at the right time, at the right place. If you just told me they can't tell who's good and bad, then aren't they just stopping people based on something else? No, no. Police officers are they're not, they're not robots. They they use their their intelligence to to question people at the right time. Like I say, you and I are intelligent, but yeah. I can't tell you who's good or bad in this room. Well, that's not what we're saying. I'm saying that the police officers for years and years were carting uh, individuals so we knew where, where, where the crime areas were. And it worked right now. Ever since uh, carting stopped, our crime has gone up. So figure it out. How, why has it gone up? Well, I, I, well, there is, and that's one of them. So, I guess we'll agree to disagree on carting. Yeah. You were sitting down at the table with the chief of police to discuss the violence in the TTC. Who else would be at the table besides from the Christian? Be the, 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 the CEO of the TTC and council members and a team of intelligent uh, community members. We have to bring everybody. To, I'm not suggesting I'm, I'm, I'm uh, the, the uh, I've got answers to everything, but I am very good at organizing and orchestrating, getting everybody together to come up with a solution. And that's what a mayor is about. A mayor is about a person who can bring all the people together and come up with a solution. Who would be some of those other people at the table? Well, they're all, all the, the council members, the, the, all the city officials, and, and community members. People of Toronto. We have to get people that are uh, that are concerned. There's lots of people in Toronto right now that are, are, are furious on what's going on. They're, they're selling their houses. They're moving out because there's so much crime. So we have to stop the crime. But right now, all we have is decades of people, politicians saying they're going to solve it. Well, it, it's not happening. That's enough of that. Oh, God, that was... I mean, he embarrassed himself. What more do we need to say? I have one, one question. First, another shout-out to Steve Ryan of CP24. Thank you for the assist or, or letting me assist you. I'll give you the goal. Um, is that is what we did today? Is what what happened today? Is that worse than his interview on more in the morning? It's, you know it, what? I think he, it's, it's he okay. probably. <clears throat> it's okay if you choose more in the morning. I actually really enjoyed that interview. I think it was more in the morning because I I think he was just. He was shut down almost immediately. I I feel like, you know, obviously people are going to miss the fact that Blake Acton had to basically beg to have a media interview 
him in general. So, I mean, he already kind of comes on that sort of pathetic, that footing, that pathetic footing at the start. Um, Blake Acton sucks. The other thing I'll say real quickly before we end this is that, you know, I don't think he knew that who, who I was. Like, he should have known who I was because I was previously, and I've stated this publicly before, a Blake Acton supporter. But then I saw through his act. And ever since then, I've been very, very vocal. And to the point where he's even blocked me on Twitter. But I don't know if he realizes that the person he blocked on Twitter was the person who interviewed him today. I'm not sure about that. I don't think we'll ever find out the answer. Unless somehow he shows up for our show. We'll see what happens. Um, But, uh, you know, that is a wrap on this episode. We are going to be um, having candidates. And, you know, we may even have a counselor drop in. You know, I've spoke to the nightmare. Did I tell you that? Uh, I spoke to the no, nightmare. No, you told me that. Counselor Ainsley. That's very cool. I said, in the coming weeks, uh, would you would you want to come on the podcast? We'll email you. Uh, you he said he's pretty busy, uh, you know, this week and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, it's not going to be this week. No, no, no. Um, same with Chris Moyce. So I'd be interested to have any of the counselors on, any of the candidates on, regardless of whether I agree with them or not. It's not about me. It's about talking to the listeners and at least attempting to make it make sense. You feel me? I gotcha. So if you don't have anything else, you're good? I think I'm good. Uh, This has been very... uh, I think this is our, our longest episode to date. Don't eat that McDonald's you bought. I think it's gone bad. Oh, God, no, it's fine. (laughs) That's going straight into my mouth hole after this. (laughs) Oh, well, you enjoy that. And uh, so for Phil and for all the candidates we saw today and spoke to and everyone else, thank you guys so much for coming in and enjoying this episode, coming into our world on our platform and listening to us. And uh, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode and with hopefully a candidate lined up and we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens from there. But uh, until then, see ya. This is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to like city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to, uh, to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to uphold it.